Hi everybody and welcome to what number podcast is this now? Is this five or is it six? Time flies when you're having fun. Today on the podcast we have a student of mine, well an ex-student of mine, songwriting student of mine, Adam Howard. Adam went to the same school as Mimi in episode two and Adam was one of the most prolific proactive songwriters I think I've ever taught. He um, he must have written about three or four hundred songs while he was at the school. He came to the songwriting workshop that I started at the school um, as a very nervous and quiet year nine, as we discuss. And he left a full-fledged songwriter, prolific collaborator, and I think the future is very bright for him. He just uh, wants it, and he uh, has incredible natural and instinctive songwriting talent, which you'll hear. What's going on in music world? Uh, There's a new single out. It's dark now. Uh, We've had about, I think, four radio plays now in the last couple of days, which is great. Couple on six. Bit of Janice Long on BBC Radio Wales and legendary John Kennedy on Radio X. So everything is shaping up nicely. The album is out, terrifyingly, in about a month now. We have live dates coming up in April, including a massive London show at the Scala in May. Um, So yeah, if you came and saw us on tour in January or February, if you saw us in Huddersfield, then we're playing the Brudenell. If you saw us at Stockton, then come to the Clooney. Uh, If you saw us in Hastings, then come and see us in London. You get the idea. If you saw us in St Albans, come and see us in London. If you saw us in Guildford, then come and see us in London. If you saw us in Southampton, London. Uh, that would be great. Um, if you want to pre-order the album directly from us, um, everything's signed and there's loads of cool stuff, or if you want to buy tickets, everything you need is at tomwilliamsmusic.net. But in the meantime, let's get into this chat with Adam. Uh, this is great. And actually, I think um, that the Mimi podcast that we did previously, I think has been the most listened to podcast of the four, which is amazing because we've chatted to you know, directors of the videos, we've chatted to Sean from Abbey Road, we've chatted to uh, Trevor and Hannah. So um, it's great. And this is, you know, as I said, teaching is a massive part of my life. Um, I love teaching songwriting and the people that I teach, you know, are massively inspiring and they inspire me and they drive me to keep writing and to be creative. Um, So enjoy this chat with the brilliant Adam Howard and enjoy the amazing song at the end too, Mr. Adam Howard. So we should probably talk a bit about um, the history. How long did I teach you at, at Eastbourne for? So you would have taught me for four years, but I think I was having, I was coming to the workshop for five. Oh, were you? So like... In year nine? So the reason I came, went to the first live lounge because of Maddie Taylor. Yes. Having her, she was in the first ever live lounge, I think it was, with like Hal, Matt, Ellie. Seb? Seb. Would Seb have been in it? Yeah, Seb was in it, but his brother had left by then. And was that a concert of just them playing that was, that acoustic? Was, no, it was like... With the band? All the brass. That was like a big band. That was like the biggest band there was. I yeah. Remember. It was like Nick, Pransmith, Trish and all like... So this, is a, so this is a, a concert um, at your school where members of the songwriting workshop perform with a live band. And it's, it involves this crazy day of rehearsal where the band learn about 15 songs in four hours. And um, it's a good event. It's a bit seat of your pants. That was, that was why I wanted to do it, because it was so, like, 
incredible kind of thing. So because, yeah, because so because it's visible at the school, you think, oh, maybe I can do that. And at that point, were you just playing violin and saxophone? I didn't know violin and piano. Sorry, no, piano, yeah, I don't know why I said saxophone. I didn't even know you could songwrite. I didn't know it was a, a possible thing. Like when I, when I like thought of it, I didn't even know it kind of existed, if that makes sense. Yeah, because so it's, it was it's a only hidden... through Maddie that was the first person I'd ever seen do it before it was kind of just all behind closed doors yeah because like like i said before it's like my only other experience when i was younger it wasn't like my parents played all these old songs in the background like it was reality television x factor that was the only thing that i had a connection to music it was that and then the now albums that's the only like way i listened to my music yeah so, but like, you loved that pop stuff as well didn't you i love you yeah bit. see that's why like, i still have like a guilty pleasure for it but i know when it's like I can, I've got like quite a good understanding of like when it's so fake. Right. And when it's like, that's why I think like I like Sigrid because I think it's kind of a mix between both. It's like. It's super polished, isn't it? But it's mm -hmm. really good. But I think that's why some people really like ABBA. I can't stand ABBA. But then I, because I teach a lot of pop stuff. I really love, I really love Raw and Firework. And um, I don't like all the early Katy Perry when her whole image is like, I went to a party, I got drunk, where am I now? I think I kissed somebody last night. I don't like all that stuff, but all the... Because I think all the second album is Max Martin, isn't it? Yeah. He did Raw and Firework and I stuff. I think he does basically all that stuff, apart from the first album, which was... And like, he did a lot of Taylor Swift stuff as well. Like he yeah, did Blank Space. And so when did you, when you started writing, were you writing on the guitar or the piano? Or you, you hadn't yeah, played piano. guitar yet? I remember I had... I can still remember like my first... It was on paper and it was like... I was writing, I'd never even, I couldn't play the guitar. I think I played We Are Young by Fun with my brother. That was about it. We played that at home. Um, that was about it. And so the first song I was on the piano was a paper. And I remember I was like writing Ooh with loads of H's on it as well. Can you remember the song? But see, I did write lyrics. I've still got it. I never brought it into a workshop, but it was, uh, I can't remember what the song was called, but I wrote like lyrics when I was in year five. In a little doodle book. I can't remember wow. what it's called. Yeah. So year five is nine turning ten. But yeah, that was that, that was the first song and then I never even I didn't even like put chords to it or melody or anything. And did you fun. when you came to the songwriting workshop and walked into this room with all these sixth formers in it, did you I can't remember, did you did it take you a couple of weeks to feel brave terrified. enough? Yeah, I was absolutely terrified of everything. Which is kind of weird. It's a it's it was a, so busy then, a lot of them were older. Alpha six, like most of them were. And then how, so how early on had you started playing music and stuff, learning the violin and the piano? Had you been doing it since you were six about, or seven? Yeah, six or seven. So I started the violin year two, but I think I was playing piano since like year one. And then when you started doing the songwriting, did you, did you then quit all your other instruments or did you keep going? No, I, I st yeah, I still play them all. I still did them all in the orchestra. And did you? Oh, had all good. the lessons, didn't I? Yeah. Because I was the same, but when I started playing the guitar, I quit everything. Did you? I was like, I don't need this anymore. <laughs> See, the thing I like about that is also the social element of it as well. Of oh, being in an orchestra. In an orchestra, yeah. that's where a lot of my friends came from, all the music kind of thing. Like, I didn't love the choir songs or the orchestra pieces, but no. that's where all your friends were. And it was kind of fun doing it at the same time. Yeah. Sarah, Sarah always played the piano and she always really regretted the fact that as a piano player you never got to play in any ensemble you never got to be in the orchestra because you were always flying solo mm -hmm. 
And someone I heard on the news the other day that apparently when people sing in a choir, their heartbeats sink to the same level. There's something mm. of deeply emotionally um, coherent or something about, about a group of people singing together and apparently they all start, because they're all breathing together. There's like a regulation. I mean, I'm sure if you're sitting next to an 80-year-old with high cholesterol, it's probably very different. Um, so once you started uh, writing, I was trying to think of all the things at Eastbourne that you would have been exposed to. When did we start doing the, the songwriting CD every that year? Was, that was my first, like... Year 10? Year, that was year 9 for me, so I did... Oh, was that your Peter Pan song? You'll never no, that, that was, song. No, that was year 10. Okay. Before I was lost by chance, that was year 9. <laughs> So that was like the first one. And then I think, because I was the first five album member, I think. Were you? I'm proud to have that <laughs> title. Living out a little take over me. But yeah. And can you, remember, can you remember how it felt to be in the recording studio and stuff? What yeah, was the process I remember, like? I was downstairs in the one and... In the basement. And we, I played it through once, I think. And then you were like, oh, I'll play some guitar with you in the second verse. So then we did it. Again, it was all so quick compared to how it became yeah that makes sense i remember i was yeah very shy i just ran it through and you were like you've got to sing out more play quieter yeah i think the biggest thing that evolved over the five years was your voice i think also when you're like when you're 13 years old your voice is just broken and it's just a nightmare you can't trust it you there's the risk that you you go for a note and you get this horrible sort of <laughs> i never remember like hearing it badly if that makes sense i think i just so you were never embarrassed when you heard your voice back through speakers? And oh, things. always, yeah. No, but I never like heard it crack or change, if that makes sense. But I was always, I've always hated my voice. I'm used to my singing voice now. Even when I hear my speaking voice, I can't don't like it. it. And then, can you remember your first concert when you had to sing your own song? What was that? That was the summer of year nine. So that the the one. acoustic so concert, yeah. Just did lost my chance from the album. Mm-hmm. It became a really embarrassing intro. I did. What did I say? That you like Leona Lewis? Yeah. <laughs> and then, you did really like Leona Lewis. Yeah, I did. And Rebecca Ferguson. Yeah. Emily Sander. Yeah. And then you said all that. And then I did my song. Everyone clapped and I sat down. That was it. I like got off as soon as... But if, you, if, if, if the studio was scary and the workshop was scary and the concert was scary, what kept you doing it? Because you are maybe the most dedicated songwriting workshop member ever in that you wrote nearly every week for five years. And some weeks you wrote two or three times. And you played every concert, you did every CD. And by the time you left, in the sixth form, you were also writing half the songs on the album with everybody. You were collaborating and you were playing piano on everybody's record. And I think it's because I kind of grew with it. If that makes but sense. What, what kept you going early on? What, what, what aspect of it was so enjoyable? Was it the writing part? I think it was the writing. It was something new, something I didn't know about. And also, like, when I looked to the older people, they were, like, so successful in themselves if that makes sense like what they were writing I'd listen to and I was like I want to be like that kind of thing it was kind I see. of inspiring to be so you were reaching for what they had yeah I think that's what it was I can't really remember if I'm honest but I think it was that and then it just kind of grew more and more I think it was like year 11 was when it like really hit but by then by the time you got to year 11 you, you must have written at least 100 songs yeah I don't know, but a lot of them are bad. But I think that's part of it, isn't it? But see, I, now I don't write as much. Yeah. I'd like to say I write more quality. Right. 
Does that mean so if you if you say you write more quality now, does that mean you stop writing bad songs earlier? Or are you just not finishing the bad songs? I'm just not finishing them. I rarely finish a song now, even if I like it it's so bad. I get a verse and a chorus. It's just it's scary, isn't it? How quickly that can. Slip. I can always do it if I'm. Thing is, when it's with me with someone else now, that's what I much prefer doing: collaborating with other people much more than writing on my own. Mm. Because there's always a purpose and I'm not just relying. I'll get so, cause I will spend hours just sat there playing the chords over kind of beating myself up, trying to get the right thing. Yeah. Whereas with, um, with someone else, if I'm stuck, then they'll kind of have an idea or I know that we have to get something done. Mm. It won't be like a productive kind of session. Yeah. So, so when you, do you ever go to, when you, when you go to the piano or the guitar, do you ever go there with an idea? Like, oh, I've got a title, Rock Bottom, I'm going to write a song called Rock Bottom. Or, or do you just sit there and you play until the instrument inspires you? Yeah, it's more like that. And I mean, I've tried to do now because I've got less access to the instruments. I suppose I'm... You're at, so you're at uni now? I'm at uni now, so... And how, what, what's, what's been the big... How have you found... Because you are so part of the songwriting world at Eastbourne. Now you've left... And you want to keep going with it. How? Have you, what's What's been the hardest part of that? Because you're now not surrounded by music. You don't have a songwriting I've, lesson every mm-hmm. week. You don't have a workshop every week as well. You don't have concerts planned for you. You don't have recording sessions booked for you. It's, it's, not, it's almost songwriting yeah. heaven at school, isn't it? I know. I just like I said. It's, I literally think it is the best thing at that school, at any school, really. I don't know why. It's so creative and inventive. No one else does it. No. No. Other, no other school does it. I just think. Like, if I was marketing manager at Eastbourne College, I would put all investment in that. Because as much as, like, the choir and the orchestra is good, classical music is dying less. It's not, it's not going to die forever, but this kind of music's a lot more on the uprise, and that's where the kids' enjoyment is at most, and parents like listening to that more, I suppose, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think also it's... I mean, it was, it was something that I was going to ask you when we were talking about learning the violin and the piano. I was going to ask you whether you ever had pushy parents. But I feel there's so much about... Because the reason why I was going to ask that is because so much of songwriting is about children laying claim to the talent that they have cultivated through bassoon, flute, all the formal music training. They finally, you know, go to a workshop and they're told... Why don't you work out what to do with your talent? Now, what music do you really love? You know, and they say, oh, well, I don't know if you can play it on guitar, but I really like, you know, the Mamma Mia soundtrack. Or well, I'm trying to think what you'd say in year nine. A Star is Born or Greatest Showman. Mm-hmm. And then you sit them down at an instrument and you say, you can do this because you've done singing. You've done piano. And it's all down to you. I think that's what it is. And then when they have success in it and they're told they're good at it, it's theirs. No one could take credit for it. That's what was a good thing. Right. Like when I was younger, everyone told me I was a t- terrible singer. Like everyone really? used to tell me. My mum used to tell me. Like, oh my all, God, your mum. It was always, my brother was better than me. And then this. You know your mum's going to listen to this. And then the songwriting <laughs> was the thing that Poor I mom. was good at. Right. It's your and that, thing. And then that is, that is like my thing. And then but maybe I that- could kind of, the singing grew with that. And then it told me like, that you could do it. I still don't think, I still know I'm not the greatest singer. I never will be, that kind of thing. But well, not many of us are. It kind of. But with songwriting, it's about the substance of what you're saying. You know, 
I remember when, when you got to lower sixth and upper sixth, you'd, you'd turn up and play a new song and you'd hit a chord sequence. And everyone in the workshop that was kind of really into it, they'd all look at each other and like nod <laughs> when they heard a really good sequence <laughs> or a really good line. You know, it's not about... And, that, and that's what I worry about. I wonder whether... Because at, at Eastbourne, this school, it's such a big thing. And it's so legitimised by the school in many, many ways. But in other ways, it's not marketed on the front page of the website. Yeah. It's not, you know, kids showing parents round, don't tell people about the songwriting workshop. It's, a thing, that, it's a thing that children find and it's a thing that children claim for their own. And I wonder if you've got all the pushy parents... You know, um, if I've got year nine parents sitting me down after a live lounge concert and saying, we're thinking of getting Henry a live agent. You know what I mean? And like, we're thinking he needs vocal training. Or um, I can't get, um, you know, Jeremy to do his vocal warm-ups. Like, then it's going to ruin it. ruin it. Yeah, see, I haven't thought about that. But that could, yeah, because it's so organic and real. And I think it's because the... And you see the progression. And you do it yourself. You do it yourself. It's your thing. Because it's kind of something that you sign up for. Like, if you're a musical, you're forced into choir and orchestra. This is something you kind of right. sell as the thing that you're going to do. You watch, a, usually people watch the live lounge or a songwriter watch and they go, I want to do that. And they'll go. I mean, it takes like a lot of courage to go. I remember I was like, Maddie, I really don't want to go. I was like, I was too nervous. And I was like, oh, but I really want to go. Because I didn't like really understand how you could sign up. And then I was like, she brought me along to you. And I was like, I'll come. And I just sat there. In silence, the whole thing. Mm. But it's weird. It's it's always intimidating. I remember when I first started the workshop, it was just me and two or three kids, and and they knew that I played music, and you know I was starting the workshop, so I felt I had to pitch myself to them as a musician. So I had to say I've done this, and I played this festival, and I've done blah blah, and I've released this many albums, blah blah blah. And so they used to say, "Well, go on, then you play something." And I used to absolutely brick it. I found it so terrifying. I only ever heard one song from you. Yeah, I used to hate it. Did you? Because I used to think that actually once they listen to my song, if they don't like my music, they'll think that I have nothing to offer them. But that's not true. And that's why often I don't tell people that I, I make music and stuff because I'm 15 years older than them. And they're not going to understand what I'm doing in the same way as a lot of people my age wouldn't understand what they're doing because our references are different. Um, and it's, it's, it doesn't mean that I can't help them in some way do you know what I mean I don't know it's difficult so what are your plans then after you you told me last week that at you're at Glasgow Uni now to to get anywhere near a piano you have to go to the music somewhere and book a piano out mm-hmm. and it's a massive pain where's that is that in the music department or no, is that not a music department no, it's, yeah Strathclyde Uni and then a different uni it's in Glasgow Strathclyde Uni right. so it's like um, and there's only like one good piano in the whole uni because that's not a music school as part of it. So you have to book it a day in advance. It can be booked out, that kind of thing. Like it's only available five hours and in the weekdays. So it's kind of really inconvenient to book. But do you, surely once you get there, you've made such an effort to get there. You feel like, right, I've got to write something. See, I've been there multiple times and I've written a verse, max, a verse and a chorus. Wow. In the many times I've been there, that's all I've written the whole time I've been here. I've just been playing over, or I get, that's a big struggle I have. I just get into playing old material back, just over and over. And just enjoying playing the piano, I guess. I think that's what it is. I think, yeah, I just play like my old things. And do you ever play the guitar anymore? I played it, I played Blue the other day. 
I just randomly picked up and started playing it. But, but maybe, you know, I don't know. It's, it's interesting because obviously this... this I new... don't know what it is. I think it's just I think about it all the time, like even in my lectures. Because a lot of them are kind of business focused. I kind of like think about where I can go with it. With the music. With the music. Like building like a brand rather than just kind of sticking to pushing myself as an artist, kind of just trying to like build up in every area. So but surely the material is the thing that, I mean, if the songs are rubbish, there's no brand. Is there? Yeah. And if there's, you know, if the song's rubbish, no one's going to buy that T-shirt. If the song's rubbish, no one's going to want to know what you have to say. Or It's so difficult, like, um, yeah. So actually, since you've left school, um, we recorded in August, and we should talk about that, July. But um, since you've left school, you've, you've written no songs. One or two. Yeah. It's bad. It's difficult, isn't it's it? An, it's annoying. But I just I feel like I need maybe to co-write with someone again because that's usually what kind of kickstarts it is a co-write with someone. And when I do that, then I suddenly kind of get into the mood of it. Are there no live music events or anything in bars or open mics in Glasgow? I mean, there, there will be. I just haven't found them yet. I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. So is it weird being at a university with no music department? Yeah, music was such I think a that huge was such, part that of your was life. Like, that was kind of what I did every day after the lessons I'd always be mm. I would never not go to the music school at school yeah that's where I'd be every day after well you need to get a keyboard for your room really, I need a keyboard you? I need logic so but you could do garage band I think I just need to like because also the reason I want to like kind of set up like a kind of brand as it were kind of thing is because where like, did you get this word brand I should just talking about an entrepreneurship like building in a like business a, context. In a business so context. So what's your uni, what's your course you're doing at uni? So in the uni I go to, you do it kind of differently. So in the first year you do five courses. Okay. So I'm doing economics, business analysis, entrepreneurship, finance and accounting and psychology. And then the enterprise one, that's like the one because she did a PhD and she did it on music, like people in general. So she often refers, she spoke to like Paolo Nutini's manager. Right. That he did it. So like that's, that kind of correlates with me that's kind of my favourite lecture yeah I just like think about like building myself not only to get into the song like to be an artist but to go into the music industry as a whole so getting internships in labels and things like if I can show that I've built myself and like I can build a blog mm. place like I'm, then that kind of gives me skills to get further in there which you can get the contacts that's kind of how I see it. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, yeah. I don't know if I might be completely naive in the whole no, thing. No, I don't think so. But I think the fact that you love co-writing is also amazing. You know, you should try and find a couple of people in Glasgow that you could write with, but you should also stay in touch with people at school that you've written with. Yeah, because I'm going back now to write with. What we almost... I realised I realized this morning, thinking about it, what we almost do is create um, the world of a professional musician. Because you are turning up to workshops to write with other people which is like being a published writer. It's like having someone arranging you co-writing sessions. You have a recording studio at your disposal, which in the real world is not realistic. You can't get a recording studio for less than 200 quid a day. And that's a crummy one. If you want a decent one, you know, and if you're in a, if you're in a major city, who's paying for that? <laughs> and you've got concerts, you've got gigs booked. So you've like, it's like having a booking agent. You've got everything. And I have seen it a couple of times, people that sort of leave and from all schools. I've had kids from Seven Oaks School and Eastbourne and 
Tunbridge and, you know, they leave and they think, I want to do this, I want to do this. And within about six months, you get in touch and you say, how have you been getting on? And they go, oh, well, I haven't done lots, you know. That's what I don't want to it's do. It's difficult. So. It's difficult, but... But because actually, I know you've, you've now to got to try and recreate all the stuff that I did for you at school, but do it yourself. So, like, what did I really enjoy? I loved, I loved the, I loved the workshops. I loved the getting together with songwriters. Okay, well, I need to find some songwriters. Is there a, a Glasgow songwriters group on Facebook, or, you know, I want to do some gigs. Well, where are there gigs? Are there open mics? Is there a local venue? Is there, you know, it's so it's really difficult. I wonder whether I'm actually doing you all a disservice by giving you all too much. <laughs> but I think if I didn't, then you wouldn't get into it. You know, I think I think almost the school the school setup almost promises you guys what it could be. See, this is this is the prob- the struggle I've kind of you having at the moment is there was so much at school, there was like everything. And yeah. they kind of say, Oh, we're preparing you for uni. Like they're setting you up for the next stage, which is kind of what the natural progression is, everything you do. Yeah. you do to get to but see in my case anyway everything at school was so far and I've come to uni it's just there's nothing it's kind of so minimal you've got to do it yourself because school was 12 hours 6 days a week kind of thing yeah whereas now it's 19 hours a week it's just so like yeah the comparison is just unbelievable and you just that's why I'm just kind of feeling like in a bit of like a mm, in an in between stage but you can record yourself and mm. you can write on your own. I think you need to you need to recreate the structure that you missed but yourself. I need to like I just need to set myself because I say I'm gonna do things. I just need to set myself times to do them and like actually plan them and force myself to do them because yeah. as much as you I are you are a proactive person. You know, at school you were always like you know, if you came to a lesson and said I haven't written I knew that you would still would have tried 10 times, but it just wasn't coming. You know, when some people come and they say, well, I haven't written. And it's because they haven't tried, you know, but it's really interesting. I had a guy called Jack who went to BIM and did a foundation in songwriting and he was from Seven Oaks and Hal, um, who's now under the name Havelock, he, he went to, he did a songwriting degree as well. Um, you know? yeah. it's like and I know Mimi wants to go and do music as well but it's difficult because I actually think that what we what we've managed to create at school is, is better than any uni course like, that's what I mean I'm like if I go to uni I'm going to be spending money on something I might already know and I can learn better by actually being in it rather than learning it yeah. that makes, that's it's, why I'm that's why I didn't want to go is, if that makes sense yeah because. let's talk about the recording we did was it in July August? July or early August, I think. I can't exactly. Okay. And we um, we did two days at uh, Tim Rice Oxley's Seafog studio um, because he had pianos there and everything. And we did four songs. When were those, were those songs kind of the best of five years or were they the most recent songs that you felt most identified I think identified they with? were the most recent songs, but then at the same time, it's obviously kind of the latter ones are obviously the best ones. So they probably were some of the best ones, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah, and it was interesting because you had a couple. Um, so you had two of them, Let the Sun and When I Was, when young. I was young, had a similar vibe. That mm-hmm. was you at the piano. That felt like classic Adam. But there's also a song that's on Spotify, which we did on the last songwriting CD. Um, what was that one called on your last? On the Still last? Still be me. Still be me. I felt like that could have been on there, and should have been, 
but you'd just done it for the school, oh, yeah. so you were sick of it. I feel like that. I still think that's kind of my best song that I've written. I it's learned. an amazing song, yeah. I remember when I heard it. I remember when I wrote it. Because, like, I think that's the only other time I've written directly after and the event I'm writing about. And, the like, I had the opportunity to go and straight and write it straight away, which is something I've never really been able to do. Mm. And because I remember I'd written the chords before and I'd done the first line. That was it. So that's, then, on, that's on Spotify already. People mm-hmm. can listen to that. And that was recorded at school in about an hour. But I wrote that in 40 minutes. 30 minutes. That was like the quickest song I'd ever done. But that's the thing. That's why you have to finish bad songs. That's why you have to write all the time. Because suddenly you'll get those songs that just come out and they write themselves. And you know every single... You don't even have to think about which way to turn. It's like, yep, I'll go left here. Ah, uh, yes, we're going to write. You know what I mean? You just know where the sections need to go. You know where the, what, where the lyric needs to be really good. You know what the chorus is. It's... But that wasn't like a conventional song that I would normally write. It wasn't like first bridge chorus, first bridge chorus middle. It was like verse, but the verse was like six or seven chords. Yeah. And then the chorus was the last four chords of the verse, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it was so different, but so similar, if that makes sense. Yeah. So almost the last line of every verse was your chorus. So, in a, yeah, that's a very Dylan-y thing. Um, and then the third song on the EP was a guitar one. Mm-hmm. That was me trying to like get a bit more creative with the guitar because like I wasn't weird using, chords. Though. I wasn't using chords I'd ever used before. Yeah, it was like I don't want to do the basic like C, E minor, G, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm gonna because we see people playing them and like you play it. So I think a lot. So actually, in hindsight, what's coming out from this podcast is a lot of your motivation is jealousy of what other people are doing. <laughs> It's the upper sick. Oh, yeah. yes, I wish I could play guitar. I'm going to do something that makes me sound like I can, can really play guitar. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe it's just their motivation. I suppose that's maybe that's. But it's aspirational, I'm, isn't it? To, yeah. yeah. To try and be the best, kind of as arrogant as that sounds. No, yeah. but that's also why it's so important to see people doing it. Then you know you can do it. And that's maybe because I'm not surrounded by those kind of same mindset people I was at school. Yeah. That's why I'm not as motivated to do it. It's really weird. But do you think songwriting, like being a behind the scenes songwriter, is something that you'd also be interested in? Or do you think, yeah. yeah. That's something I'd really like to do. That That would probably be, I don't know if that would be above being an art. Probably not, but I think that's where I could be more. But if you look at someone like Ian Archer, who wrote everything like from Hold Back the River to other stuff, he used to be in Snow Patrol Mm -hmm. and eventually was writing so much that he, he left Snow Patrol to do writing. You know, Joel... Joel Pott, who was in a band called Athlete, now writes George, this George Ezra stuff, you know. And I think I think you chase, you know, Ian Archer still releases solo records, but he also wrote Lightning Bolt with Jake Burke. Like he doesn't need to do that. That's the kind of thing. But I, I, I also really I think nice. that's like a dream existence, yeah. isn't it? You don't have to go on all these grueling tours, but you get the money's coming in. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to buy all the nice guitars and buy the nice houses, and you get to be in music every day but you get to sit at your piano in your that's living room so in your slippers with a coffee and you know what I mean? You're not waking up at a travel lodge. So that's what's so appealing about songwriting more than being the artist itself is mm. you get the best of both worlds. But that's why it's so important that you keep writing with other people. It's weird. I think a lot of the time those doors in terms of publishing are only open to people who have had hits. You know, I think after Tim wrote Somewhere Only We Know and had big success with Keen a lot of people come to him and they say, can you please write somewhere only we know, but for Kylie or for Gary Barlow? Or for... 
So the recorder just cut out, <laughs> professional till the <laughs> end. Um, we were talking about publishing and we waffled on for about 10 minutes after that um, with priceless mm-hmm. stuff, <laughs> which we'll never remember what we said. Um, but I just want to quickly go back to the EP. You've got these two piano songs at the beginning. You've got this guitar song after all these years. And then you've got this, it's a song that you wrote two days before the session. Yeah. What was that one called? Throw Me A Wish. Throw Me A Wish. And we thought we'd already done some piano and some guitar, mm-hmm. so we, I got you on this old keyboard of Tim's called a Fender Rhodes, which had this amazing vibrato, and we panned. It was ha- so loud at the beginning, do you remember it? Boom. <laughs> oh, yeah, because it's got the amp. It sits on an amp. And that was a sound you'd never recorded with before. And there are synths on it and stuff. And that, like, what's that, like, kick and the drum thing, and, like, dun-dun, it, like... The delay on it or whatever it is. Oh, yeah, it's got a slap. And we got the Lin drum out. We were going to do proper 80s, like, but we took that out in the end. It sounded a bit like EastEnders. Um, but that was a really interesting song because I wonder whether that's... Because you love Sigrid and stuff. And Sigrid's... What I love about Sigrid's stuff, she's got lots of synths and stuff on her, mm-hmm. but you'd never say she's a synth artist. No. I wonder whether you'll you'll get more into that. But do you think it's because it's very simple production rather than... What do you think? I think so. It's all about the vocal, isn't it, on Sigrid? So what, what are your plans in terms, of, in terms of recording your own stuff and getting rec- equipment and stuff? What would, you ha- would you like to do another EP? Yeah, so definitely three possibly next year, <laughs> if possible. So you need to get back into I it. I just need to get back into it, really. Hopefully by Christmas. And, is, and, is, and you, you, I, think, I think we got earlier you saying how much you'd love to get into also sort of behind-the-scenes writing and stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you need to go back up to Glasgow and you need to so you need to find make a songwriting community, a songwriting night in a nice pub somewhere, and and write with as many people as humanly possible, and somehow get a nice MIDI keyboard and start recording your own stuff. Mm-hmm. So, your first song is out on the what of November sixteenth, I think. Sixteenth. Let the sun. And um, let the sun. And then, after and then, that, when I was young. And then. All these years, and, and then, then throw, throw me, me a wish. Okay. And if people want to stay in touch with you, how can they find you online? Adam Howard Creatives. That's Adam Howard Creatives on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Okay. And you'll do bar mitzvahs, weddings. <laughs> All right, me. Adam. So, and what's the song you're going to play now? All these years. All these years. All right. Thanks, Adam. Hi, my name's Adam Howard, and despite what I said on the podcast, I'm going to be performing when I was young. I always thought that I knew best But then I grew up It turns out I'm just like the Butterflies in the summertime I let myself Get caught up in the rain And how many times did I cry Till the walls stopped caving in And how many times 
Yes, I know nothing at all. But late in the day, I don't feel so blue after all. Said some things I didn't mean Hidden things you wouldn't believe But I'm happy I did And how many times did I cry Till the wall stopped caving in And how many times did I I got myself up again And after all these years When I think I've got it figured out Doubt sets in like a star I guess I know nothing at everybody uh, as I said before um, the new song is out if you haven't heard it already it's dark now it's on Spotify and Apple music and all that stuff pre-save the album if you want pre-order it buy tickets to the April tour massive 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 thanks to Adam for that chat and for playing um, his music so beautifully at the end his EP I think three of the four tracks are now uploaded so search Adam Howard um, on Spotify or as he said Adam Howard creatives on socials um, give him a follow and uh, stay in touch with his future developments um, hopefully um, we can get Adam back into the studio soon and do another EP uh, the future's bright the future's Adam um, have a lovely week everybody 
And talking of teaching, there's something rather special hitting the internet, more specifically YouTube, Wednesday next week. So keep them peeled. Have a nice week. See you later.